0: Kale's on vacation, so we had to go get ourselves a very special guest for today. And you guys know that Kale is a, is a knowledgeable person about comic books. So to match his intellect, to exceed his knowledge, we had to go outside the bounds of traditional comics to get someone who truly understands this industry in a way that most people probably don't. We are talking about the head of comics, at kickstarter head of comics mr bryce gold thank you so much for joining us hey guys.
1: oh it is a pleasure to be with you how are you guys doing today
0: phenomenal happy to have you uh yeah. kickstarter head of head of comics at kickstarter and head of content at Comicsology originals so guilty as charged the Scott Scott Tober stuff we saw, the you know, all that awesome stuff, that's that's a part of what you oversaw.
1: Yes, yep, yeah, that is all things that I've worked through, things that I have survived, <laughs> things that we've got to experience together. So
0: yeah, lots well, of fun. I- I'm excited to dive into all of that. Um, and I'm excited to ask you the ways in which you think that Kickstarter has changed. The landscape of comics itself i think there's a big conversation to be had about kickstarter can't wait to get into it really quick before we kick things off hello live chat welcome to the show if you guys have questions for bryce we will get to them a little bit later on so super chats are open channel memberships are open you guys get to the front of the line but we will get to your questions a little bit later of course if you want to support us the best way to do that is patreon.com slash Pals, where we are always giving you bang for your buck. You get a nickname and a shout-out on the show. Uh, so I want to very quickly say a uh, special shout-out to the best pals of the universe, Thunderstruck Rebecca Alejandro, The Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound, and Starcross Cass- Catherine Stars with a very special thanks to The Nice Stalker, Harris Dijinsky, Brian Del Pozo, Kefis the Incorruptible, Momentum Mike Elliott, Dan the Truth Trudeau, Joel Justice, Jalen the Sanguine Sorcerer, Marvelous Mike and Mackenzie, Marley Manistorm, Slow Flow Dameron, and Amen Almighty Perez. Y'all are fantastic. Thank you so much. Watch this show live every Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern, and Pals Pulls on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Everything else at the Comics Pals. Okay enough shilling thank you so much plugs out plugs out so Bryce focus is on Ah. you now um (laughs) what are your day-to-day responsibilities as the head of comics so that sounds like a huge job can you break that down
1: Of course. Yeah, it is. It is a pretty big job. Um, There's a lot of comics that come in week over week. I'd say we look at around 200 projects a week. Um, A lot of my job is figuring out what is coming down the pipeline when people are thinking about launching, what exciting projects are on the forefront, what we can do to help promote those and get eyeballs on the projects and get people excited about what's coming out in the world. You know, my project, my my role is is a bit curatorial. So so looking through what is coming down the pipeline and making sure that we're highlighting our projects that we love with our editorial teams, making sure that folks can see those. Those are projects that are generally going to be surfaced to the top of our search results. Um, They're usually the most exciting projects, the most groundbreaking, the most, uh, you know, never before seen kind of projects uh, that are coming through Kickstarter, things that are really going to get the comics community excited. Um, and and really uh, uh, endeared to to the things that we are, are putting out. Um, another part of my job is, is curating our newsletters. So we have a number of different newsletters. We have a new and trending newsletter. We have um, a, a specific reads newsletter that's for all comics and publishing projects, things like that. Um, figuring out ways that we can kind of entice our audience, our backers, to, to kind of see what is out there and see what's new. Um, we have a really strong community of folks that are, are looking every single day at comic book projects and finding new things to back. Um, at Kickstarter, we talk about you know the green piece of the pie when we're thinking about what all of the the different backers are coming from are they coming from instagram are they coming from local searches um are they coming from you know twitter or x or or elsewhere on the internet you know where where what is driving the traffic for support and we find that over 50% of that backing comes from folks that are already within kickstarter and finding projects from within kickstarter so with that <laughs> caveat uh, a lot of great work comes from highlighting really great projects, picking out projects of the day, um, and and putting those projects in front of folks uh, in various channels, um, in addition to having the creators themselves promote the works uh, in their own channels and, and to their own backers. So uh, a lot of curation, a lot of figuring out ways that we can continue kind of pushing comics forward and finding new, exciting projects to, to share with the world.
0: Can I just say that I feel like in some ways, Kickstarter does a better job of promoting and curating, you know, a space for comics for all kinds of potential comic book readers than the rest of the industry does at this point.
1: I'm I'm honored that you said that. Thank you very much. Um yeah, I think that, you know, the the exciting thing, and I think that Sean, you were getting at it a little bit earlier, is that Kickstarter has really changed. the last five years in a way that is really exciting um you know i think that five years ago uh, it was it was a lot of independent projects folks that that were finding new pathways to success that didn't exist um prior to finding ways to crowdfund their work and i think that now uh, we're really seeing a, a mix of, of sort of our tried and true independent creators, but also folks that are really taking a new a new step. It could be, you know, folks that found mainstream success that are now doing a creator owned work that they're doing themselves and want to crowdfund. It could be um, publishers actually coming to the platform and finding new, exciting ways of, of funding very specific uh, projects that they couldn't justify mass producing and sending to comic book stores i mean you think about boom studios with berserker or even with um power rangers and 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 the exciting things that they have found uh you know new ways to to connect directly to the consumer and find ways of of really delivering something that you know you wouldn't make or wouldn't be able to justify making a million of uh, and trying to send and sell via direct markets or, or book markets, things like that. This is a really exciting way of directly connecting with their fans, directly connecting with their audience and finding really cool new groundbreaking risky ideas um, that they can test out via crowdfunding. And if they're supported, they'll bring them to life. So I think it really opens up a lot of doorways for for everybody to really find a new way of being in the driver's seat, being in control of what you want to make and, and making it happen and, and making it happen for your fans and for your audience and, and for you. So there, there really is, I, I, you know, I like to say that the sky is the limit for ideas on Kickstarter, but it really is up to you to kind of figure out like, what do you want to make? And if you want to make it, or it's swimming around in your head, like let's make it happen.
0: You went right into a controversial topic, uh, which is, you know, mid-tier publishers or creators that have a name for themselves already who are using Kickstarter to, you know, directly reach their core audience with something, like you said, that they otherwise just wouldn't be able to make or, you know, different things like that. That's something that upsets a lot of people. And I love that you made the distinction between sort of older Kickstarter and the the philosophies of that age and the new one, because there is a distinction, right? So what do you say to people who are upset about the Scott Snyder's of the world or the boom studios of the world using Kickstarter? What do you say to those people who say it takes away from other projects that actually need a boost and need your help to succeed, but they feel that Kickstarter's efforts might push forward those titles that are being put out by bigger publishers or creators? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean,
1: in my opinion, it it has only been a boon uh, to to projects. It you know by having these big names, by having these bigger creators, it actually brings more eyes onto the site and allows for us to continue promoting other works that these folks that are new to Kickstarter would never otherwise see. Um, you look at our biggest project of the year, uh, actually of all time, Good Omens. It brought in thirty four percent new. Kickstarter users, uh, just from that project that had never backed anything on Kickstarter before those folks are then going on to backing other projects constantly. Uh, you know, there's, it, it's, it's a mentality of rising tide, like really bringing in more eyeballs actually helps everybody in my opinion. Um, and it doesn't preclude any, any other promotion or support for other projects at all. In fact, I think that because we have these bigger names, my, my role is really to help figure out how we can continue to support the folks that don't have that backing that are independent and are making this themselves. Like that, that to me is, is the focus of, of the work at Kickstarter. It's, it's who we are as independent creators. It's what we want to focus on. Um, And, and by having these larger projects, you know, there's, it doesn't stop folks from backing that. And then also backing the little indie zine that they had maybe never seen before, but thinks is awesome. And is featured on the site when the other project is also going live. Um, I think that what we look at is, is sort of um, looking at all of our projects we love as a whole, um, because all of them are given the same, amount, the, the same amount of treatment, the same amount of attention, the same amount of support as, as every other project. There's no, there's no hierarchy of, of saying this project's more worth pushing than this one. Like, you know, at the end of the day, Kickstarter really does want to support everybody. Uh, our goal is to bring projects to life. And in my opinion, you know, my experience, I come from certainly the, the, a major comics background, but also an independent comics background. Um, something we haven't talked about yet is, is you know, my, my own experience as an indie publisher. Um, I, I ran a MicroPress starting in 2015 out of Brooklyn um, comics, indie comics, zines, that is my jam. That is what my, that is where my heart lies. That is what my my love, my joy to vivre in comics is. So, you know, in my opinion, there's no reason why we shouldn't be promoting both and supporting both. And if the big name brings folks into um, the ecosystem of seeing Kickstarter and seeing what we can create, maybe it will inspire them to make a project themselves. And I hope that it will also inspire them to check out the other exciting projects that we have going on, because there is... In my opinion, a comic for everybody on Kickstarter. It's just a matter of of seeing it and getting the eyeballs on it and and knowing what's out there.
2: And, and to Another that point, and, and and I mean to that <laughs> point as well. Like if, if you have let's say that thirty four percent boost, right, and fifty percent stay within that uh, within the ecosystem itself, you're ideally getting what seventeen percent of people sticky, ideally to stick around to hang out, Completely. discover, and uh, just grow the base from therein.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely.
3: And I'm looking at the uh, the Kickstarter Discover page for comics right now, mm-hmm. and there's about 12 projects we love there, and one of them is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers one, but 11 of them aren't. You know, 11 of them, yeah. 11 of them aren't. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, dealing with you know Boom Studios or those mid tier, uh, mm-hmm. you know, comics publishers. So they are they are sharing the screen with Power Rangers, which is <laughs> kind of nuts, especially if you're a new creator or something. You know. Um, that's like an e-shelf that you are right next to them on. So, yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, I think, Tyler, you hit the, the nail right on the head where, yeah, maybe this is a big project that's happening right now for the next 30 days, but if you're launching at the same time, you are right next to it, and, and there is nothing stopping you from also getting the support from the community, getting the support from your backers, getting the support from your fans, and, and finding new folks to, to come and support you as a creator as well.
0: Well, you you made the point, Bryce, and I don't want this to get lost, that you are also a creator. Pyrite Press, right? And so you you are like the head of comics at Kickstarter is not some, you know, not that you don't wear suits, but it's not some (laughs) suit who doesn't get it, doesn't understand it, doesn't come from that place. You come from that place, you clearly have a passion for comics, and you've been in the trenches for a long time. So I want to make it clear that this is not a person whose agenda is, let's make sure that everybody knows about the new Boom book because, you know, Boom is big, you know, and and screw whoever else. There's a person who's saying, hey, you know, I love comics, so let's put the biggest spotlight we can on comics and I think that that's what we need at Kickstarter.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it is, uh, it's hard work, but uh, it's honest work. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, so Bryce, I actually have a question. Looking at the mm-hmm. discover page with the project we love. Yeah, um, yeah. How do those come about? Like is there direct communication with those creators for those?
1: projects? Generally? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a bit of both um, at, at where, you every day I'm looking at the category and seeing what's out there and seeing what's exciting. Um, you know, it, it is not, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do want to dispel the idea that it's all me saying like, yes, this is a project I love, or this is a project that we don't love. Like there is, there's certainly other folks involved. We have an editorial team that also works on that. So while I can often suggest, and they do listen to me as an expert in the fields um, that these are projects that we would want to include. Um, it is not, it is not, a monolith in in who is deciding what is or is not a project we love um and yeah l- like you said i think that um a lot of it is curatorial just looking through what is coming through the pipeline but also i look for folks to reach out to me and say you know i, I get messages on linkedin i get messages on instagram i get messages uh you know to my email address saying like hey i have this project coming out like are you able to review this or give me advice? And, and through that process, you should all be like, whoa, this looks really cool. You're doing something that I've never seen before. Or um, the art style is amazing. Or you really have a really interesting story here that um, is, is something that really epitomizes the DIY ethos of Kickstarter. That would be a project that we love. Uh, or, or one that I would highlight as saying like, hey, this is one that's really doing something that we've never seen before, or doing something really special, or doing something really exciting. Um, Those are the projects that we want to highlight as saying, like, this is the epitome of a Kickstarter comics project, and one that other people should see and support as well.
2: How do you um, decide what, or rather, I guess, does it come down to the, the content of what you're uh seeing and then giving providing pointers to be worthy of this is Mm going to be highlighted or is it something that maybe mechanically the uh creators who are promoting the kickstarter doing well like how, how do you distinguish those two things
1: it's a good question i think that in general what we're seeing and what what i think is is makes a really good kickstarter project is yes it has to be good content but i think it also has a lot to do with the campaign page itself how are you promoting yourself? What is the story that you're telling? Who are you as a creator? Why are you going the DIY route via Kickstarter to make this happen? What uh, is the reason why people should support this project? What are you offering that's exclusive or new or never uh, seen before or something that is really exciting for backers and folks that are going to be supporting you to get in on the ground level for? Um, You know, I think that I like to describe the campaign page sort of like a... um, a press release in the ways that you need to really tell the five W's. You need to tell who you are, what you're making, why you're making it, how you're going to do it, including like a breakdown on like, Hey, you're giving us all this money. Here's where all that money's going to go. Like being very transparent with your backers and with your community on what you are raising this money for to make it happen. um, That to me is, it makes a good Kickstarter project. You have to be extremely transparent. You have to be very honest with your backing Uh, and your community and your backers. Um, And I think constant communication is key, saying like, hey, you know, week over week, sending out an update to folks being like, hey, we've gotten to 50% funding with your help and support. Uh, We have 50% more. Uh, Please keep telling your friends, family, lovers, you know, whoever, coworkers, anybody under the sun saying like, hey, this is out there. You should make it happen Uh, with your support. We can make this this actually come to life. I think that beyond that, you know, finding ways of even supporting yourself, being like, hey, we've reached 100% funding. We are so excited, but we are not slowing down. Here are really exciting ways that we're going to keep pushing this project with stretch goals, making the book more exciting, making the book, uh, you know, higher quality paper, um, you know, a new cover edition, uh, something that can continue to entice folks to continue supporting and making the project maybe even bigger than you initially anticipated. Um, I think that that's the exciting thing that creators do is like, they are constantly thinking about ways to provide for their backers, their supporters, their community, um, finding new ways to continue to push their own boundaries and, and their own ideas to, to new heights. Um, if they do reach those initial goals and finding new ways of not slowing down. I think that's the exciting thing that everybody that works on a Kickstarter has some sort of entrepreneurial spirit. Like you, you kind of have to when you're doing it all yourself, like A campaign might run, you can run them shorter, but you know, the sweet spot that we see is like 30 days and that is a lot of work for 30 days. You are constantly hustling. You're constantly promoting. You are constantly getting the word out there. Um, you are constantly just kind of shouting into the, into the internet space saying like, Hey, I've made this really cool thing. Come support it. Come make it happen. Um, and, and you're really putting yourself out there in a way that that can be, um, you know, it can be daunting. It can also be, you know, very revealing. Like you really are kind of like bearing your soul to the world and your creative process uh, in, in doing a Kickstarter. So, um, you know, in my opinion, I th- just think that it takes a lot of guts, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of work um, to make one of these happen and, and to, to leverage your community to, to ask for that support and to communicate with them really is, is the ultimate goal of, of getting the work out there. And, and, and I think it shows like I think that the, the more that you ask and and the more that you are willing to share the more people are willing to support you because they feel like it's real they feel like it's you're you're talking to a real human being um, and and the, it's it, it shows the humanity of creating a project there's nothing you're not being <laughs> you're not beheld to any sort of like corporate structure corporate interests like you really are doing it yourself in a way that uh, is is freeing and exciting and you know I constantly am saying like when you're doing a Kickstarter, you're in the driver's seat. There's nobody telling you what to do. You are in complete control. And I think that that's very exciting for creators um, who, you know, want to eschew the traditional publishing process or are tired of that process or want to do something that they've never done before. I think that Kickstarter is the perfect home for, for activities like that or projects like that to, to do something that has never been done before or, or really breaks the mold for comics. So...
0: No. You, you got into the position of head of comics. I just like saying that um, <laughs> in May this year. And yes. mm-hmm. when you when you got that, that position, you said, uh, quote, as I step into this role, I'm focused on thinking outside of the box to find ways to support creator-owned projects, reshaping the dynamic between creatives and comics production, and bringing a new ethos to comics projects in all fits and fashions. How have you done that so far? <laughs>
1: uh, thank you. Uh, I feel like we've done that in a variety of ways. I feel like um, I've spoken to a number of independent creators that have, you know, figured out new exciting ways of promoting their work. I think as we've also seen a change in the social media landscape, we all have to adapt to find new ways of, of getting the work. Out there uh, and, and getting in front of eyeballs. So I think that, you know, with this, I think everyone needs to be a little scrappy. And I think that we've, we've found new ways of promoting. I think that we've returned to an age of email being the most important um, way of promoting yourself. Uh, emails don't go away. Social media sites do. Um, finding new ways of, of really connecting with your audience. And I think that we've, in certain ways, like kind of like gone back to a form of, of promotion that we haven't seen before where it's like, yeah, remember the last time you started a listserv? serves are like huge now. Like there's no way to not promote yourself without like having an email list and, and getting the word out there. But I think also with a listserv, like there's so much more dedication to folks and to dedication to creators than there is just clicking a follow button. Like you might have a 10% conversion off of a follow, you could get upwards to like baseball numbers where it's like 30% off of an email list, you know, like that's a huge improvement. Um, I think, you know, the ways that I want to continue pushing and breaking the mold is is encouraging folks to kind of like not feel downtrodden by the whims of the industry. Like, I feel like there are so many instances of things shuttering this year, um, companies no longer doing original lines, um, <laughs> you know, finding ways that used to be Um, uh, you know, a pathway for folks to get their work out there. I think that now there is an opportunity for um, anybody to get their work out there. You don't have to be beholden to a company. And, um, you know, it it is up to you and the creator to kind of figure out like, okay, what do I want to make? How do I want to make it? What do I want to do here? But, um, you know, the sky's the limit uh, as far as like how to make a comic, what to make a comic about um, and, and ways to, to even get it out in the world. I think that we've seen some really, really exciting projects that have done a lot of really cool design elements. I'm a bit of a book production nerd. So anytime somebody's doing like something that I've never seen before, like that is super cool to me. Um, but also going, you know, true to form, I think to, to various states, like we've had a number of resograph projects this year that really excite me. Um, coming out from actually all over the world we've had strangers publishing in the united states um, there's been a really great group um, of, of folks that were from europe that now live in japan that have made some really cool stuff called club zine um, those have been really exciting to me um, but even just you know if you're if you're doing a, 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 a standard size standard comics project finding new ways of you know, telling your story or telling new exciting uh, visions of stories. I think we've also seen a lot of accessibility projects come through this year, where I've seen projects that have covers that are 3D printed and and you know for for those that are um, uh, you know blind and, and want a tactile version of a comic, wow. comics that are using Braille, comics that are using audiobooks, and and new ways of of kind of like pushing the limits of what comics are for everybody, I think that that's something that is really exciting to be done through Kickstarter because it's something that, you know, generally folks wouldn't be able to support from, from a mainstream perspective, like, or if they, if they are able to support, we haven't seen it yet. This is something that we are seeing on Kickstarter and it's exciting to be at the forefront of that and make those projects come to life. Um, That's something that's not happening happening anywhere else. And in my opinion, that's, that's how we break the mold is doing something that no one else is doing.
0: Right. And providing a space for people who are in the trenches trying to do things that are unique and special to say, Hey, you have the chance to thrive and reach the audience that, you know, is out there for you if you put but the work in. And you really I mean, you really no one else even okay, yes, there are other uh there are other crowd funding platforms, right? But they just don't have the the name or the cachet that Kickstarter has. And so sometimes, you know, I have creator friends or people that I know in the industry and they're doing like, I won't disparage any anything else, but they're doing something else. And I'm like, you sure that shouldn't be a Kickstarter, man? You sure about that, dude? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it you know, it is not to toot our own horn, but, you
1: know, when you think about like the Kleenex of crowdfunding, there's only one name that you could pick up. Uh, and, and, and I think that, you know, we've, we've certainly been around the longest. I think we have the audience that really supports the books. Like, like I said before, like we, we think about the green piece of the pie when, you know, and, and what I'm describing there is when, when you create a project, we, we have a creator dashboard. It's, it's, you know, if you want to get really analytical about it all, it tells you where your backers are coming from, like what sites they're using. It tells you, you know, if they've used Kickstarter before or not. Uh, and when we talk about the green piece of the pie, that is the the select, like I said before, just like the 50% of folks that are part of Kickstarter and part of that ecosystem, them supporting the project. So, you know, like that will, you know, like I, you know, not, not to disparage anybody else, but if you want to make money, you come to Kickstarter <laughs> uh, and that's because it has the community, it has the backing, it has the know, the, the knowledge of, of, um, you know, how, how to crowdfund, but also, um knowing that this is the place where you will come to see the really exciting projects.
0: So I want to throw some numbers your way, Bryce. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So here, here are some numbers that I that I found that I, I find very interesting. So 78.1% <laughs> of all comics projects met their funding goal. That's an insane number. Uh, yep. <laughs> out of 1666 kickstarter comics 1171 projects successfully met their funding goal uh that's up 13% uh over year over year um and then 22% increase in the number of dollars pledged and um 14.4 million in 2022 compared to 17 Point six million in 2023 and these numbers are not from today these are i think first half of the year numbers so things are probably yeah yeah, things are probably uh better now so what what do those numbers what do you think listeners right comic book creators and fans should take from those numbers
1: and and sean thank you for doing my my job for me, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, those numbers are, are just so exciting to see. I think that when you see something that is over, you know, over C average of, of funding constantly is, is awesome. Like 78%, in my opinion, is the number to pay attention to. When you have 25 or more backers, that number jumps up to around 80%. So if you are doing just a little bit of work of getting the work out there and promoting to, you know, 10 friends of yours, there is over seventy five percent chance that you are going to be successful, and as those projects go on, like if you build up over twenty five followers or or uh, backers, you will have over an eighty percent success rate. Wow. To me, that is the that is the number that it's just like okay, if I'm waffling on what I should be doing, that should be extremely encouraging to me as a creator to be like, oh, let me give this a shot. I think that you know it is a daunting process to put one together. There is also such a fear of well what if i don't reach my funding goal what will happen did i just waste like 30 days of my life like i want those numbers to encourage folks to be like look like yes it's daunting yes it's a lot of work but there's such a good chance that you will be successful here and you can make your project happen like do not let those fears hold you back um and and you know looking at our numbers actually for the the remainder of the year i think last year Um, there was $32 million pledged for comics, uh, in, in all of 2022 this year, we are at 38 million and counting. We, this is the best year for comics ever on Kickstarter, you know, halfway through the year, I think we're at 17.8. We're now at 30, uh, 38. So it has been an amazing year so far. We still have another month, so we'll see what happens by the end of the year, but it really is, uh, you know, it's outstanding like those are huge numbers that is a lot of money not that it's all you know kickstarter has never been all about the money we're a public benefit corporation it's something that you know our focus is always on let's see how we can make creators be successful but you know the numbers don't lie like that is a huge amount of money raised for all comics projects um you know year over year we continuously do better and better um than, than the previous year and you know i think that's that is so we owe a lot to our creators that are have really dedicated their time, their energy um, and their support to putting their work out there and and really going out on a limb to say, like, hey, come support my project here on Kickstarter. So, you know, big shout out to the creators, big shout out to the backers. Um, I, I really think that um, if you're back, if you're a creator that doesn't hasn't made a project before is nervous of whether or not it will succeed, like look at that 78 percent number and, and, and give it a try um talk to me also if you have questions because i'm always down to to chat with folks about what they have planned um but yeah beyond that i I really think that creators should see this as an exciting opportunity and not a daunting challenge ahead of them um to to really make what they want to make and bring it into the world
2: yeah one out of every five is going to get or more than that it seems from the numbers yeah four out of five are going to get funded so you're a high chance yeah. of having that opportunity
3: <laughs> yeah completely uh, where do you see um with so one of the things we talk about a lot here is the comic book industry uh mm-hmm. big big words um but comic book shops uh uh are having i guess troubles with some of the bigger publishers uh, with Marvel uh, and DC, maybe not marketing things correctly. Where do you think Kickstarter can fill in in terms of supporting comic book shops uh, for the comic book
1: industry as a whole? Yeah, uh, I think that's a great question. My 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 advice to creators is to always add a retailer tier, add a version, add an option where retailers can come and support the Kickstarter project directly. Um, alternatively, you know, depending on the project these are projects that will eventually go to the direct market i don't think that anyone wants to step on anybody's toes in this industry generally um i think we are all in this together and if you know in my opinion if if the retail shops are suffering then we are all suffering because how else are you going to be getting print work out to your fans to your community um you know in my opinion we all need to be working together so creators add a retailer tier, make sure that you're supporting your retailers, get the word out there, you know, contact retailers directly and be like, Hey, I'm making this really cool project. It's already funded. It's at 300% funding. It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, here's all the exciting things about it. If you want to support this book or carry it in your store, I'm offering a wholesale retailer tier where you can buy directly from me. Um, Here's your opportunity to pick some copies up. Um, You know, alternatively, I think, you know, for creators themselves, they this offers a direct to consumer option where you can you do not need to rely on retailers in order to get work out there. That being said, like I just said, like in my opinion, the right thing to do is is to support everybody, offer everybody an option, um, because you at the end of the day, what you want is for your audience, for your fans, to be able to read your book however they want to read it. If that's digitally, great. If that's directly from you, great. If it's them going to the, their local comic shop you want to be able to offer your product, your book to those same uh, buyers, those same fans. Like you want to be able to get the work out there. So in my opinion, uh, we all need to work together. <laughs> uh, and and I think creators need to be savvy about ways that they can also um, entice retailers to pay attention to their work. I think a lot of the times, you know, generally we've seen that reviewers tend to eschew Kickstarter projects. Um, there's not a lot of like mainstream attention um on Kickstarter projects in that way where where you know the major outlets are not really covering these in the same ways that they would from a traditional outlet. Um, but you know, in my opinion, all the more reason why you kind of as a creator need to kind of step up and and you know be the person you want to be, get the word out there yourself and and really promote the work um to retailers yourself. Like you know, I've said it before, but you know Kickstarter is a DIY platform. You as a DIY creator, uh, have have big shoes to fill to to get the word out there and to get the attention from from everybody in the community, whether it be from the retailers to the backers to you know people online that are just thinking about what new exciting comic is out there. Um, it is a lot of work, but uh, it, at the end of the day, I think that there is nothing stopping a Kickstarter creator from going to a retailer and offering them options to kind of get them in on the ground floor as well.
3: I, uh, I checked out the uh, Sean, Sean Murphy Zorro uh, Kickstarter page, and there's a big button, I guess, where the backing button used to be uh, to support your local comic shop, and then it brings up Comic Shop Locator. Uh, and then I checked Marvel's website, and it, it might as well be the unsubscribe button for an email list. It is the tiniest-looking little link at the bottom of the article you have to search for. So um, just from, okay. like, a, yeah. a, a website standpoint, you can already see, like, it's a mm-hmm. little more... Um, amicable to the to
1: the retailer as well yeah
2: yeah (laughs) and how how do you and and that
1: also i you know oh sorry marco go ahead no please go ahead i was gonna say i you know that is also i think um you know very much a boon to the creators themselves they know that they want their backers to go to their local comic book shop and support the industry in general, like um, massive publishing, the publishing, the publisher behind um, that sort of book like that was their decision to, to direct folks to their local comic shop and and kudos to them for that. Like, I, I really feel like more publishers, more creators should be doing that um, to to help, I think, boost the industry in general.
2: Um. One of the one of the other things we talk about a lot on the show is just the cost of comics. You know, your your typical floppy is going up from uh, set three ninety nine now forty nine looks to be the standard. Um, compared to other offerings, stuff like Kickstarter provides that much more value. Do you foresee at all a point where, um, you know, or, or ways to capture or plans to try to capture people who are weekly comics readers who are you know slightly different audience to come over and say hey actually you know you can you guys can keep paying those uh that amount for your 22 pages or come over this way where there's such a an opportunity to discover comics to engage in comics in a different way and um, you're getting more than you're paying for your buck
1: It's a good question. I think that in general, uh, well, I I find that there's, there's a different buyer there where, where the folks that are going to their local comic shop week over week, looking for the new floppy, looking for the new release, like they want something immediately. Um, Kickstarter I think does not really offer that it's, it's a, you're supporting now. And then in, you know, three months, five months, maybe even a year, you will, you will see a return on that investment. Um, you know, Kickstarter is not a store. Um, we we are simply a platform that allows these creators to to make their work. So I, I while, you know, the things that we can do, I think, and the things that I want to do are connecting folks with the resources that they need in order to make the best product available, whether that be connecting them with great printers that I know of. Uh, and this also, you know, speaking for myself, like my experience printing and doing that independent comics work comes in huge in that regard where i'm like yeah i know what i'm talking about i've done this myself like certainly things have changed over the last seven years uh as you know paper prices have soared and um you know it's it's the unfortunately the pandemic has has really taken a toll i think on a lot of the production process of of creating comics but um there you know that doesn't say that that doesn't mean that this doesn't still exist that doesn't that it isn't an option that there aren't really great printers around the world that you could speak to. Um, in my opinion, you know, it, it's finding and connecting folks with the best options for what their project is in order to, to allow them to kind of like find the right price point. Um, that being said, I also think that, you know, as independent creators, I don't think that you can compete with a Marvel or a DC or an image on like, you know, price per unit things like that like you are an independent creator your your pnl is going to be vastly different than an image series or than than you know something else like certainly i think that you you should be thinking in the same scale and thinking about getting your book out everywhere but i don't think that you can behold yourself to the same standard as a major corporation in, in creating comics like you are just one person you simply are making the work that you want to make that people want to see um and and i don't think that you should i think that in my opinion the same way that i think about independent comics like you should think about yourself in your own lane you should not think about what other people are doing you should think about what it makes the most business sense for you and your project uh how does your PL look because ultimately that should determine your price you should not think about it in a way of like market value of of what a standard comic should be priced at that being said like Think about it also in scale, like, think about like, okay, if my price point is really, really high for this unit, like, what if I just doubled my, my print run, and suddenly my price per unit is lower, you know, certainly I have to um, be be out there hustling a little bit more. But, you know, I, I think that that also offers you a really exciting opportunity that your project will have legs beyond just, oh, everyone that ordered, you know, I, 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 I had 300 orders for this project, I'm going to print 600 that gives me 300 that I can sell at conventions, things like that down the line, like you might have an opportunity then to kind of just like use this Kickstarter not only to fill the orders that you were getting through the um, the campaign itself, but also, um, you know, have have legroom to kind of continue to push the book uh, after the fact.
2: And I like how you uh, made the distinction of, you you, you guys stay in, in your lanes with respect to, and the way I, I take that is, uh, there is room for comics, right? You have your your corporate comics, you have your Kickstarter comics, you have your webtoons. Everybody is operating, and it's not a, a an either or in, in those scenarios. It is it is all additive to the comics community into into the medium at, at large. Completely. There's room um, for everybody. <laughs>
0: are are there are there examples of books that you thought, man, this is gonna hit? and it just sort of didn't or books where you were like projects where you maybe weren't as hot on or wasn't on your radar and then it just surprised you and swept you off your feet do you have examples not that you would name names or anything but can you think of projects like that
1: I can and I don't want to name names but there are you know I think that when a project doesn't hit the way that you expect it to I think that you need to analyze a few things I think that uh Oftentimes, it's it's a matter of like, well, when did you launch the project? If if you're launching at, so for instance, um, we had an extremely busy October this year. Um, you can imagine why. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think everyone wants to launch around New York Comic Con, and and when there is that much competition for um, space within the website, uh, you know, like there's only so many projects I can feature at one time. Uh, it, it makes it complicated and you have to make some tough choices. I think that ultimately, um, I think also you really need to think about the ways that you are promoting the project itself. So I don't love personally to encourage folks that they need to make a video. I think that, you know, project videos, for those that are unfamiliar at the very top of a Kickstarter project, you usually have a video section and, that's a really great place for people to be like, hey, here's my project, here's some sample art from it. If you have video editing magic, you can, you can flex there. Um, but um, you know, that takes time, energy, money, and also experience that I think is unnecessary for the creation of a book. That being said, I do think that it does uh, provide like a very TLDR, like you get a one minute, two minute video Somebody might watch that and not read the rest of your, you know, huge, massively considered like explanation of the entire book. Um, I think that, you know, while I don't want to encourage people to spend a lot of time and energy on something that they are not comfortable doing, um, it does ultimately help uh, promote your work and, and get the word word out there and and provide like a very human experience for people to kind of like attach themselves to. Um I think also in general like depending on the project like I think that you as a creator need to set your expectations um uh, uh accurately so that could be in setting your goal amount like oftentimes I'll see projects that are like I set a goal amount of $300,000 and I'm like what do you need $300,000 to make a comic for <laughs> uh, <laughs> ultimately like like what what is the point of this like is is it like in my opinion that means that you've you have not considered like what, in my opinion, should be like your base level of of what a reward should be. Like when I'm just, when I'm chatting with folks being like, oh, I don't know what to do with my project. Like I'm always like, think about what the minimum amount of money would be to make a print run for this. And it, it needs to be a print run that has no bells and whistles. This means like no spot gloss on the covers, like very standard, like think about like all like, just like what is the base level to make this? And then from there, once you achieve that goal, then you can start thinking about the fun stuff. So then you can think about stretch goals, you know, thinking about like, let's say we're asking for $10,000. If we get $13,000, then we can add spot loss to the cover, or we can have a holographic print, or we can have a variant cover for this, this issue. Um, start thinking about things that way. Don't go into this with like, well, I've already sunk so much money into it and, and time and energy. Like, yes, I think you need to be very accurate with, you know, back to the conversation about PL. Think about what it is going to cost for the production of this. Um, you know, pay your artists well, pay your pay your writers well, pay everybody out in the ways that is not exploitative and is undercutting anybody. But from there, think about what else it's going to take to make this book. And from there, you can think about ways that you can make it more exciting. Um, I think people often set their goals a little too high. And that means that, you know, as you're going through the campaign, you're two and a half weeks in, you've made it 73% of the way there, but people are reticent to support because it's like, oh, I don't know if this is going to happen. You know, maybe in the last three days, they'll be like, well, I want to make it happen, so I'll donate. But I've seen that folks will be more excited about something that they know is a sure sure deal, like knowing that it's already reached their funding goal and that it will be made. will continue to support a project to, to bring it to the next level rather than somebody that's like kind of hovering around like most of the way there, but hasn't quite made it. Um, those i think tend to to be more nail biters down to the last minute um, uh, for for the project itself um i think in general yeah um, beyond that you know um, i think finding ways of promoting Mm-mm, excuse me, um, finding ways of promoting before the the project is live is, is a really exciting way to continue to kind of build up that equity, build up that excitement in the community. Um, Kickstarter allows for pre-launch pages now, which you can have up, you know, we've seen, for instance, Sean Gordon Murphy's book, that pre-launch page, I think, launched in July, and the book didn't, the campaign didn't start until October. So that gives you two-ish months of you know, promoting the work, getting the word out there, getting people to follow the campaign page so that when it does go live, there's a lot of people that already know that this is in the works. They're just waiting for that shoe to drop for the campaign to go to go out there. I think, you know, Sean Gordon Murphy's book, um, I think in the first 40 minutes, it got funded. And it was just, you know, gangbusters from there. So things like that are always super, super exciting. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there's some really, really entrepreneurial creators that, just knock it out of the park every single time. I got to give a shout out to Brian Polito with Coffin Comics. Like, mm. I can't name <clears throat> a a campaign of his that has done less than six figures. Like, it is unbelievable. And he launches a campaign like every two months. Like, he knows what he is doing. Um, you might not love the content itself, <laughs> uh, but he is certainly somebody that like knows what's up. Lady Death is is his character um, that that he has a whole universe of. Um, but he is really somebody that that knows what is up with crowdfunding and and getting the word out there and getting people excited about what he's doing.
0: That's incredible. And 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 yeah, really shout out to the grinders. I mean, we know so many creators who, you know, really live this life. You know, they're really on yeah. Kickstarter with every project. And, you know, we see the success. Victor Dandridge, Dirk Manning. These are people that are, you know, using the platform To reach people that they just don't have access to you know creators who are road warriors that go to conventions right every week and they say hey you know this is the new comic i have right but i've got this kickstarter project coming up you can sign up here you know i've seen this grind um and it really is incredible to watch so shout out to all the creators who you know really bust their ass on the platform um my last question for you, and then we're going to let the listeners have their word before we close out, is uh, what do you think Kickstarter can do? What do you think, as the head of comics, you can do going into the next year to help <laughs> the the smaller creators who are, who are trying to make a name for themselves on the platform even further? Are there optimizations on your side of things? Are there things you've learned that can take kickstarter to even the next level next year
1: that is a great question sean i am i am fighting for for changes all the time (laughs) uh finding ways that we can you know find new avenues to support creators i think that if there's ways that we can increase the number of um increase the number of slots that we can include in our newsletters, like really, really leveraging those tools. Like we have audiences of, you know, some newsletters have an audience of 1.6 million. Some of them have an audience of 6 million people. Like if, you know, that being said, like the problem that or an issue that we we encounter a challenge, maybe is a better way of putting it, is that, you know, comics is competing with every other vertical on Kickstarter right now. We have design and tech, we have music, we have um you know fine art we have um you know uh um games and 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 all of these projects are coming out all at the same time so i can't unfortunately because of that like there's only so much space for everybody i think that the ways that we can continue to kind of push that is like finding new avenues or new ways of of, of including projects and in newsletters or finding maybe niche newsletters that reach the audience that will support those projects like for an independent creator maybe we need an independent comics uh, newsletter something that's like very focused specifically on the subject matter for for backers and folks that we know has supported these kinds of projects like finding ways that we can continue to um you know reach out to them and say like hey here's really new exciting things that we're doing Um, i think beyond that like having opportunities to um you know utilize mentorship in 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 the space like have creators be able to speak with other creators that know what they're doing um, in order to, you know, help them realize, you know, what they're doing right or wrong, like finding ways. And, and honestly, that's also something that creators can do themselves. Like I encourage everybody to back, like at least put like a dollar or two here on a few projects at the same time, just to see how other people are doing it. Like what are they doing on a weekly basis? What are they doing when they reach their stretch goals? How are they promoting their project internally or externally um, and, and build up a community within Kickstarter of being like, you know, reach out to folks, being like, "Hey, I really like your project. I was a backer. I backed every single thing you've done. You inspired me to do a comics project myself. Here's a link. If you would take a look at it, maybe you can share it. Like, you know, I, I encourage folks to to really leverage their community in that way um, to really get the word out there. And and I think you know, connecting with other creators, connecting with other um, um, comics folks that really know what they're doing is is in my in my opinion the way to kind of continue building." Um, that being said, I also encourage folks to get in touch with me uh, when they have a really cool project coming up so that I'm aware of it and that um, we know that there's something cool in the works. Um, because if I'm not aware of it, I can only see it when it's live. And you know that doesn't give me a head start to let my marketing team know like, hey, this is something really cool. It's going to launch on this date. Like, I want to be in the know as we're getting ready to launch just so that I can give you the best support that I can. Um, so that is a little bit, you know, in, in most cases of the things I've said today, it's like, I'll do a lot, but you got to do something too. Like we're both in this together. Like it is very much like a DIY ethos behind the whole thing, but you know, I am there to help. I am there to support and I want to make you the creator as successful as possible. So let's talk about it. I love that. I
3: love
0: that. Tyler, do you want to, uh, hit the listener questions?
3: Yeah, so Tom Account uh, said, uh, Bryce, I love Kickstarter, but being perfectly candid, I feel like I've been burned by delays. Uh, He gave Valiant as an example. How do you manage delays from creators, and do
1: you have any recommendations other than trial and error? It's a good question, Um, and it's something actually that Kickstarter generally, um, you know, takes takes kind of like a backseat on because we're not involved in the creative process or in the in the production process itself. Um, you know, when when you reach out to Kickstarter with those errors or issues, like you know, our 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 messages to to reach out to those those um, those creators directly. Um, I think that we've also seen a lot of, of chatter online of of people being like, "Hey, I was burned by this project," or like, "Hey, this person hasn't delivered yet." Like, um, in my opinion. Public shame does work (laughs) and and hopefully you'll get an answer from them, you know, ideally when when there are delays like creators are supposed to update their projects and be like, hey, you know, a pallet of books fell off a boat, I can't do anything about that but we're working as hard as we can to to update you. know we we as kickstarter also take measures to prevent this from happening like we have a trust and safety team that looks at every project like before it launches like there are a lot of folks that review these to make sure that things like this doesn't happen because um that is that is not the goal that is not what we want uh, and it creates a bad experience for backers and for everybody um when that happens so well i'm i'm very sorry to hear uh about the issues that have happened um in in the past i would encourage you to reach out directly to those creators if you haven't already um we are taking measures to to prevent this from being a recurring problem with creators like we have issues where if you haven't fulfilled a previous project you can't launch a new one um you know we we want to prevent fraud in every way shape and form um when when we're dealing with new creators that are not tried and true um i think beyond that um generally, I would say, um, you know, we do have a, a, you know, a caveat that it's like Kickstarter, it's not guaranteed rewards here, that doesn't solve your problem. Um, in my opinion, the best way to actually solve that problem is, um, you know, reach out to folks, chat with them directly. Um, if if you can chat also with our support team, they're also happy to help with with issues if you're looking for for um, refunds and things like that, if that's available. Um, Beyond that, um, I would say, you know, um, leverage the community. No one likes to be publicly shamed. And hopefully with public shaming, uh, people will actually respond to what the current status is on a project that may be delayed. Yeah, if there's a,
3: if there's a bleeding cool article about you uh, not, not you know, coming through, then uh, it probably gets the creators to uh, reach out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Dan in the chat also said, uh, what factors do you think have led to comics becoming that successful compared to other sorts of projects?
1: Uh, it's a good question. I think that, you know, comics makes up a really large chunk of Kickstarter's revenue. Um, uh, I think that games is is probably our biggest. Design and tech is also one of the biggest, but comics I think is, you know, third or fourth up there with with the big successes. And honestly, I, I chalk a lot of that success up, honestly, to... Um, I think growth within the sector of of people giving Kickstarter a try,, uh, I really do. You know, in 2018, I think we raised 16 million uh, and then five years later, we're double that at thirty eight so far this year. Like I really do feel like a lot of that, some of it, I think, you know, in in the, the pandemic years, like I think that as folks were home and and there was uncertainty, like it gave a lot of people opportunity to kind of like leverage their creative outlets and and use Kickstarter in a way that they hadn't had a chance to do before. Um, but you know, we've seen continuous growth in in kind of uh, exponential ways in the last two or three years. Um, specifically, I think with with people giving Kickstarter a shot and and having more people kind of come on board and 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 look for ways to promote their own projects. Um and that that comes from every level. So, you know, uh, you know, I I do uh, you know, I I know that it's it can be a touchy subject, but I I got to give it up for boom. Like I really think that they opened up a lot of doors for a lot more folks to like get the word out there and to see what is is available on Kickstarter as an option. So, that's my take is 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 more attention, more ideas, more people using Kickstarter and kind of changing the the general landscape of like, "Oh, If I'm asking for money on this, I'm like, I got a tin cup in my hand, and I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're really struggling here to like actually know this is just an opportunity to make something cool direct to consumer that has never been seen before.
0: And I, I love that point about Boom because, um, it does bring a level of legitimacy. It says, okay, this is safe. I can spend my money here because this is the legitimate. You know, Boom is a legitimate publishing company that I've dealt with before, maybe, or I really love Power Rangers and I know I'm going to get what I want. And then I look and I say, hey, here's this great project that I never heard of before, but I know that Kickstarter's safe, so I can do this. And I think that that's something that a lot of people forget. And you said it earlier, it bears repeating a rising tide raises all boats, right? Um, And that is something that comics needs. There cannot be any type of gatekeeping about who can do what, where, because ultimately onlookers don't know about any of that crap. They know, hey, this is something that I want to get behind, you know, shut up all the noise, right? This is (laughs) comics. And I think that's the most important thing. So thank you so (laughs) much for joining us. This has been an incredible conversation.
1: Guys, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that um, the rest of the chat today goes great. Uh, I hope the rest of your holiday weekend goes great. And um, yeah, catch you guys in New York.
0: <laughs> well, is there anything you want to plug? Anything, uh, Any? you know, how can people reach you if they oh, want Oh, no,
1: to? I mean... It- yeah, I was going to say, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email comics at kickstarter.com. You can also email me b.gold at kickstarter.com. Uh, my at is at underscore nice gold online. If you want to get in touch uh, via socials, um, otherwise, I will catch you guys on Kickstarter. Good luck out there and really excited to see what projects you want to bring to life in the near
0: future. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to say goodbye to Bryce, but you guys hang on tight. We'll be back in a moment. That was a fun conversation for all for all of you who, uh, you know, have had a lot of things to say about Kickstarter. Kickstarter has been a hot button conversation over the last, especially the last few years. Hopefully we were able to get some good answers for you guys right from the worst's mouth. Yep. Bryce was amazing. And dude, yeah. like people who do Kickstarters are
3: insane in the best way possible. <laughs> like uh i i talked to to mark bouchard and they've done multiple kickstarters and they talk about the stuff that they're working on during it i'm like how do you manage all of this like dealing with uh, printers and you want maybe a printer that's a little more you know uh, small business oriented and it's just like wow jeez so Shout out to anyone who does a Kickstarter, honestly.
2: And I'm just like sitting down at a table that must be necessary. Just like, okay, we're going through this. We're in paper quality, paper size, paper yeah. like like just the the small details must add up intensely.
0: Sure, dude. Yeah. Look at all the stuff that we critique when we do palstools, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's coming from the biggest publishers of comics on Earth. Yeah, you know, um, so it's it's tough for for smaller creators. Um, but it's good to know that there's someone in charge at Kickstarter, someone who is the head of comics, who actually has been in the trenches and knows, you know, how hard it can be and is yeah. there to support people who, you know, want to make that work. Uh, I want to shout out everybody who stuck around for the conversation, everybody who listened to that, you know... um, we love having guests on the show, and it's not always going to be a big Marvel or DC name um, because there's more to comics than just that, right? And so I appreciate those of you who care about the industry enough to listen to those kinds of conversations, and hopefully you enjoyed it. And by the chat, it seems like you guys did. Um, it, so appreciate the the compliments. Flo Dameron, what's up? Saying great conversation. Dan Trudeau, great interview, pals. Thank you for your contribution, Dan, to that uh, with your question, Amin Perez, great convo. Thank you so much. Um, Atomic Hound said, "Excellent interview as usual." Of course, I opened the Kickstarter app during it to check out what's new. Yes, yeah, do it. Absolutely. I, I did too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and like, and I, and I did, and I'm seeing like projects where you can get like a full on hardcover for 30
0: bucks for 200 yeah. pages, yeah, and man. I'm like,
2: it, it's it's good deal. Yeah. It's good value, man.
0: Yeah. Um, we have a lot more show to do. So we've we're, we've we've got we've got more more fun. Uh, I think that convo was a lot of fun. We've got some fun conversations. We're going to do a draft. Uh we're going to do it without any likes goal this week just because you know when we're doing an interview with Bryce Gold from Kickstarter, you know, we don't necessarily have the same live viewership. So we're going to do it regardless cuz we love to do the draft. Algorithm. Um and uh you know we want to have some fun. But let's jump into the news because there has been there have been some things, you know. Thanksgiving happened and it was great. Hopefully you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. But even in the midst of that, we do have some things to talk about. So uh up front, we learned last week some big news about Fantastic Four. Some of it was rumor. Uh, but there was the biggest the biggest rumor was the Pedro Pascal thing. But adjacent to that was the possibility of a woman silver surfer. Oh, that's right yes and so this week that rumor has been uh doubled down on because not only is uh De- at daniel rpk who is an insider who has broken news before um actually was the same person that broke or that you know broke the pedro pascal thing uh says that anya taylor joy is currently in talks and being eyed by Marvel to play said female, well, female villain. And, of course, you know, Silver Surfer is not initially a heroic character in mm-hmm. the sense that Silver Surfer is the Herald of Galactus. Now, when you look at Anya Taylor-Joy, do you not see the potential for, if there's going to be a woman who's going to play Silver Surfer, does she not have that look? She could be bald? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Maybe. Let's see it. Oh, who was um from uh uh oh my god, Multiverse of Madness? Or not Multiverse of Madness, uh Doctor's Doctor Strange. Oh um, my god. The Eternal, yeah. the, you call the it? The the Ancient One. The Ancient One. Oh my god, <laughs> who was the actress?
0: That recall. was Tilda
3: Swinton. You
2: yes. I mean. Oh my god, yes. That's
3: what um, I Um I'm not uh, I'm not feeling it. I, I like I I like Anya Taylor Joy a lot. I mean she was magic in that. New Mutants movie, which people hate, and honestly, I kind of enjoyed that movie. Oh, she was. Um, Yeah, she played magic, Um, and I think she's a good. I hate when they use good actors and actresses for a Marvel villain, um, because Marvel villains typically are one and done because Marvel refuses to actually invest in them. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like a spent shell. Uh, you know, just using this great up and coming actress for. A really cold like I don't I don't know. I still don't think it's Silver Surfer. Mm. But Who else? I threw some I so I I threw some on the on the slide. I think Nova, the Herald of Galactus, that actually is a woman. Um it's a more fire, you know, themed and stuff. Um uh, I think that's doable. Victorious might be an interesting way to bring in varia into this as well. Um I just feel like the whole Fantastic Four villain that's a woman it could be the right rumor, but not necessarily that it has to be Silver Surfer.
0: I don't know. Something doesn't yeah. smell right to me. If there is going to be Galactus in any shape or form, right? Even if the villain is Silver Surfer and we don't get Galactus, like that's safe for a down the road thing. Uh, or or forget Silver Surfer in this moment. If Galactus is involved, then Silver Surfer has to be. Like, I can't imagine a scenario where they would do, because they're only going to do it once, where they would do the big Galactus story and not have Silver Surfer be involved in that.
2: Maybe he's not the... the I, I see your point. Um, but maybe this is just different, because it is going to be a female character, uh, maybe they have an opportunity to play with that and then uh they do something related to something other related to Fantastic Four. Maybe he's part of Venom. He's gonna be they're gonna be fighting what's uh uh what are all the the big space venoms?
0: Did you just say Venom?
2: Yeah, doesn't he doesn't he have uh Silver Surfer Black? I'm thinking of um Oh, oh yeah, Ma- you're
0: right. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh hold on, hold on. Marco. Yeah. What? What company? What studio publishes Venom movies?
2: No, I know, but I'm saying, let's say we combine. Let's say we start to combine universes. What if we save it for down the line?
3: So you're saying introduce Silver Surfer now, so eventually they can do
0: a crossover Sony Silver Surfer Black Venom movie. Uh huh. He's he's saying we use Silver Surfer down the road for that. Let me ask you this question, Mister Marco: How Uh the fuck? Does Silver Surfer get his powers?
2: You're asking. You're asking questions, Sean. This it's is an, an easy all answer, tethered
0: Marco. To Galactus, bro.
2: Asking questions, Sean. Wow. Here, here's my my issue with
3: this is that <laughs> I think you can do so I think you can do Galactus without doing Silver Surfer immediately, because the idea of having to introduce Galactus, Silver Surfer, that dynamic and that origin, um, and then introduce all of the Fantastic Four as well in a movie. Like, that's a lot. I think you could maybe introduce Galactus with the Herald. Herald gets defeated, and then we see a tease of, you know, Galactus going to Zen La or something. Um, and then there's like, Another oh. Herald. Yeah, and then the idea of the <laughs> yeah. Heralds is a thing. And then Silver Surfer yeah. can show up in another Guardians movie or something like yeah. that, doing a an Annihilators movie. Um, does Marvel have the rights to, like the 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 Shiar and stuff now with the x men sure probably
2: sure.
3: i mean they got a, they got a lot of space stuff so i don't know i just don't like it <laughs> i'm going to be a hater on this i love that anya teller joy um i i i, I whenever I, I i see her and i look into her eyes or or, or not really her actual eyes uh, it feels like i'm being uh hypnotized like you know uh, that that snake from jungle book style oh whoa um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just,
2: I I do agree with the the frustration of you get these big actors for just a one time role. Like, I I understand the the logic of they're gonna have to pay them consistently, and so that's why they they're they're just getting the name for the one movie. But I do like the fact that sometimes, especially the the Marvel Universe has gotten us into the the rhythm of these people can persist throughout the course of the universe. so it's a little more fun when you get a character or a an actor that is big name to stick around because i think i get a bit of more enjoyment out of seeing those things like christian bale for the villain of thor you just get him in, in one and like that's it he has he has such talent i could have seen that persist
0: but why are you guys – I don't understand this this assumption that you've both just accepted that if Silver Surfer is played by Anya Taylor-Joy, that we'll only get it for one movie. They're not going to – if it's Silver Surfer, they're not going to dispatch of that character. That's a money that, yeah. character that we'll see definitely at least several times in the future. So if this is the role that they're getting her in, it's not because they only want her once. It's because we're going to see her way more often than just this. Think? Of course. If it's it's Silver Surfer, Silver Surfer, Marco.
2: I figure you just you do it with Galactus and you're done.
0: No. I I, I, Silver Surfer is one of I think is one of the more popular Marvel characters. and Woman, man, whatever they go with. There's no way that you take that character. And do a, a one-off. I Silver Surfer is one of the very few characters that I would say, do I think it'll happen? No, but could they get a movie? Yes. Especially with a mainstream actress playing that role. Could we get a movie based around that character? I think it's a lot more likely than most. Mm. Mm.
3: Silver Surfer is a huge character. I think yeah. just because he's kind of been dormant in the larger scheme of things in terms of Marvel movies. Um that maybe don't realize that now, but like I had a Silver Surfer toy as a kid. You know? Like this is, I wasn't even reading comics at the time. I was a child. Uh but he was he was everywhere. He was on merch everywhere. He's pretty prominent in, in Universal Studios uh uh Islands of Adventure. There's a giant Silver Surfer there. Um yeah, he's big. He's probably outside of Fantastic Four and Galactus, he's probably the biggest. He's like in that realm of stuff. So mm.
0: Yeah, I I think I think uh oh, let me a- answer this question. Manny says, I think you say this, but they've done uh one-offs with more important villains. But why but Silver Surfer's not a villain? That's that's the thing that you guys are getting stuck on. Silver Surfer is a slave. Slaves get freed. Then Silver Surfer becomes a hero. You know what I'm saying? There is no there's no world in my mind at least where Silver Surfer lives and dies as a villain in Marvel, that's not okay. gonna happen.
3: You say you say Silver Surfer's a slave gets freed. As I'm looking at this blonde white
0: woman, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want, dude? Silver Surfer's a a, a white dude on a surfboard, <laughs> okay? Like,
2: man,
3: I mean, it's a shame that he died because I was a big fan. But like, I I always hear uh, Lance Reddick's voice when I when I read Silver Surfer. Um oh he that's been, a good one. He would have been great, but you know.
0: ah, uh, damn, that just bummed me out, dude. I love Lance yeah, Reddick. Yeah, yeah, big fan. Uh Hendrik Perry says, I considered Surfer more popular than Iron Man before yeah. MCU. 150% yes. No doubt about it. Silver no Surfer was doubt. bigger than all of the Avengers. Like <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, absolutely as a brand. Yep. As a brand. Silver Surfer versus Avengers, Silver Surfer's bigger. Chill. Absolutely. Not even we're not saying that, go. No 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 no, yeah. no. Back back in back then. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh so yeah, I just personally don't think that they're going to blow this. I would look, I'm going to be fully transparent. I'd rather that this not be what it is. Mm. I would rather that Silver Surfer just be some dude. Um and then, you know, get Anya Taylor-Joy cuz she should be in the MCU. Uh, I like her as magic, but get her for something. She got to be in the midst. But if this is the path, I personally like the choice of actress for the role. If this is what it has to be.
3: I'm impressed. Made it, make her a molecule woman. And so like, like gender bend uh, molecule man. Um, Ooh. So cool. I don't, I don't know what, what podcast it was, but I saw it on TikTok. Uh i was talking about the MCU and she had a huge idea. She's like, "I bet you." She's like, "I don't actually know what's going to happen in Marvel Universe, but I feel like the Molecule Man could be a Kang variant, and then we can actually get Secret Wars, and then Doom shows up." And I'm like, "You're a nerd, first of all, I'm on.
2: You yeah, she's dork."
3: Cool. Um,
0: but I was like, "You know what? That that ain't bad." I didn't I didn't finish Loki, so please don't spoil this for me, chat. But I thought that Obi. Was gonna be either a variant of Kang on the low, oh. or the Molecule Man. Interesting. Those I mean. that was what I had thought. Is, but... is
2: it is it out? Uh, fully out already? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah.
0: Okay. I got to okay. I got to catch up on that. I'm playing Same. with fire. Yeah, seriously. Um,
3: <laughs> Don't spoil me is the worst thing to say on the internet. No, but but, uh, but we've got a good community.
0: These people are not <laughs> jerk-offs. So. You moderate comments. <laughs> <laughs> this is been you in the our eyes before. live chat. Our live chat, live chat is good. good, people. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> Not so. the degenerates on the Discord. Even the Discord's cool. <laughs> the, the the YouTube commenters that watch after the fact, majority of them are great, but there are some fucking nutjobs that comment on our videos. Absolutely. But that's how you know you made it, right? Right. Exactly, Hendrik Perry says. We're all friends here. That's exactly. Right. Thank you for that. Um... Superman Legacy has added some new friends to the cast. They led with the best friend of Superman, Jimmy Olsen. Oh, Yes. Uh, James Gunn made the announcement this week. And, of course, all the trades picked it up um, that we do have casting for uh, Jimmy Olsen and for Eve Tessmacher. So... Uh, in the case of Jimmy Olson, we have Skylar Gazondo and then Sarah Sampaio as Eve Tessmocker. So um the cast is shaping up, and then we also had the rumor, I don't think it's confirmed, but the rumor of Nicholas Holt playing Lex Luthor.
2: Oh. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh Skylar is uh he's the guy from The Bear? No. He's a different dude.
3: Yeah, no. This the Skylar has been used on memes on the internet for like for a, like a year now. Um, he's not been in too much, but he's got a face that is just like, oh, I recognize that dude. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. There's
3: there's a there's a there's a meme I actually put on the stream that was like, uh, somebody posted a picture of Skylar and it said he looks like he can do a crazy trick on the trampoline, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: which so I, I tech deck it just
0: show like, like it can grind on this come down I I literally don't care about Jimmy Olsen on any level um I have no connection wow. to that character oh. I don't understand it I don't get why people love him so much but that's fine it's not for me whatever this actor is like that's Jimmy Olsen from a visual standpoint I don't know I, I don't know his work but Boy, oh boy, does he look the part?
2: The freckles, at all, on point. They they did good casting,
3: and from what I've I think I've seen him in a couple of things. Like this is gonna be fine, be good. Mm. And I think Eve Test testmacker. I'm not familiar with the character, but I believe that was in the uh, the Jimmy Olsen was, mini series. The he Steve was
0: created for the Superman, uh, the Richard Donner stuff, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah. She's one of Lex, like, before Mercy, I think. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
2: Um, first appearance was 1978 film Superman. Yeah.
3: I. Yep. yep. Okay. Cool. I think the Lex one, which I think is that confirmed. I wasn't sure about that. It's not. Okay. I don't. It's. It's. It says final talks. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I'm cool with that though. I think that's a good pick. Which which is funny because Nicholas Holt uh, tested and did not get the role of both Batman and Superman. So, so I just think the thematically, side. he might have some built-up
0: frustration in there that needs to come out in this Lex Luthor role.
2: They gave him the inspiration already. Yeah.
0: I love that casting. Um, I, I like Nicholas a lot as Beast. Um, I thought he brought a lot to that role and was allowed to do a lot in those movies and show both sides of the character. Um, so I do appreciate that. And then also, like, does he give me Superman vibes or, or Batman vibes? Absolutely not. But you shave his head, give him, you know, give him an edge. Alex Luthor, sure. I like it. And then also, what do we get? A Superman and Alex, who are contemporaries, right? Who are of, of about the same age. If you cast Nicholas yep. Holt and then that that guy they cast for Superman, they're around the same age. And I always felt that in the comics too. I think I, right. I always
3: felt like uh uh, Lex was in a way the rich kid compared to Clark's, you know, r- rural upbringing. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. It's city versus country.
0: I I have a question, um, because I don't I don't know what is canon. Like I have always like I grew up watching Smallville. That was my biggest connection to Superman. So in my mind, they grew up together. I don't know if that's can. I've seen it in other places outside of Smallville. I just don't know if it's canon. I I think by New Fifty Two,
3: and I'm thinking of Scott Snyder's Justice League run, which had a lot of Lex backstory in it. Yeah, um, it isn't, but they are around the same age. Okay, at least currently, I I can guarantee you that was canon at one point, though.
0: It's just Superman <laughs> canon is confusing. Because even in the last days of Lex Luthor, which we uh, read, you know, a few months back, in that, I know that's not canon, but in that, they were also friends in their youth. So either way, oh, I'm impressed it's canon now after Doomsday Clock. Okay, so there you go. Either way, I think the casting's great. I like the idea that, you know, and it makes sense for James Gunn to do this. These two are friends, or they were friends. Something happened. Lex was jealousy, whatever it is. And now they're not friends anymore. And I'm sure that James Gunn will play off that as often as possible to tug on our heartstrings because that's all he does. And I don't say that in a negative way. I'm excited for that. To me,
3: uh, no. I almost don't like that dynamic. To me, that's a very redoom doom dynamic. I think works for those two. Um, but I like the – I like Lex viewing Superman as an alien um that i think you lose some of that when they grew up together
0: huh that's an interesting point i my my counter to that is the 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 unearned betrayal that lex would feel when he finds out that his one of his childhood best friends growing up is actually some alien Fair. and then you get all that like xenophobic you know racist whatever you want to say like all of those energies and it's and Superman's perspective can be wow we used to love each other how mm. can this be how you feel about me just because of where I came from and then they kiss Hell Hopefully yeah. Not. Okay, yeah
2: well. let's go oh sorry we're going down a different path
0: to me this is all great you know James Gunn chatterboxing aside I really am excited for this movie
2: I mean, again, he's he's pulling from really good stuff. Uh, looks like they have a handle on the the casting. Um, if the source material is, uh, I don't think something to worry about. So yeah, all this is getting built up to be something
0: great. Well, uh, I think Greg Capullo is working on something great over at Marvel Comics because he. Made the announcement that he is officially back. So on Instagram, where Greg Capullo is pretty popular, you know, something to the tune of 250,000 followers, Greg said, I am officially back at Marvel. I just signed my contract today. Let's go. Fantastic Four. And the image is a, a rough of Greg Capullo drawing thing.
3: So, for the stream, he actually he posted one of uh, Sue and Human Torch as well, and I've overlaid them together to try and nice. piece this together. Good job. Um, That's cool. But uh, his thing is cool looking. There's a, a good craggliness to him.
2: Yeah, he has those, like, jagged lines. Yeah, it's like exited. slate rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... If he gets a good inker on top of him, it just helps accentuate those things. His pencils are fast and loose, but somebody to rein him in a little bit. Who who's this
3: Batman
0: one? Glapion. Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, wasn't that the colorist?
0: Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Does I don't even know that Greg has an inker.
2: Because
0: mm. yeah, Gla- yeah, you're, you're right. Glapion is the is that the is colorist. the
2: colorist, right? Yeah. Maybe I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um. So this is I guess I guess. It's not technically a confirmation that uh, he'll be working on Fantastic Four in like a an ongoing sense of the word, but Fantastic Four does feel like it's in a limbo state. And, you know, it's got a run that's going on right now. Um, I think Ryan North is the writer. And that's, you know, I'm sure it's good. I haven't really checked into it too much. It's good. Okay. Yeah,
3: I like it a lot, actually. Yeah, it's a real one and done stuff.
0: Right, but that doesn't tell. That doesn't feel like okay. This is a permanent thing, or we see this ongoing for many years. I think Fantastic Four is due for a reshuffle. Don't know who the writer will be. Greg Capullo makes a lot of sense as that artist.
2: Um, I don't know. I'm I'm I don't have issue with the selection and looking at the art. It looks good, but maybe I'm just so used to the. The idea of Kapoor living in like this darker world because of Batman and some of this DC stuff that the the brightness and maybe family orientation, the uh, of Fantastic Four, feels a little dissident. Um, but the art looks good. So I, I, I'm going to need to wait to see like the full product to be excited about it, but out out the gate, it looks like a bit of a style mismatch.
3: Hmm. what do you think he should be on like wolverine
2: i see that more i see that more than yeah than like a fantastic four even or maybe even more than a spider-man you know, i i see like those action-oriented a little more um fighty books
3: see i don't Avengers. yeah i don't mind them on fantastic four i think like we can find uh i just don't see it Happening on Fantastic Four because he's already posted about it. <laughs> um, I see it more being like he starts off doing a series of variant covers, Ugh. Um, and I think this is probably a Fantastic Four variant cover for something Sure. Um, where he kind of does like the he does all of the the characters right off the bat just in cool covers, um, and then I think he's probably secretly working on something at Marvel. I think maybe an X Men relaunch could be huge, because. Um, Having a huge established name on X Men for a relaunch could be big, um, but I don't see him showing his cards in a series of uh, sketch, uh, quick, you know, like a quick post on on Instagram. Um, right. And also, I'm really liking that Ryan North one, so I don't want that to end. So
2: that that X Men idea though, that's good. I could see that.
3: Hey, yeah. How do you follow he- up Krakoa?
0: You get a big team. You got Gail Simone and Greg Capullo. I don't hate
2: that. Yeah,
0: I. So so Greg has said that you know he's older now, right? I think he's in his sixties, and you know his career is winding down, and so he only wants to work on projects that are genuinely exciting and flex you know, a muscle that he really hasn't been able to flex. makes a lot of sense why he jumped ship from D.C. because he drew everybody. Mm -hmm. But it's not as if Greg Capullo didn't work at Marvel before. So there are certain things that he's already done and it'll be interesting to see how willing he is to retread ground. I don't know his Marvel career, but I have a feeling he didn't do Fantastic Four. Um, So I would welcome it. But I also agree with Tyler that he probably isn't, you know, he's probably not like giving us this information via his Instagram
2: sure yeah. got to wait for the official announcement get that press release
0: yeah uh Amin Perez says I was a little burned out by his art on death metal, but happy he's back yeah and I I, I think um I think he like I said I think he was probably burnt out on his art from DC. Like oh, yeah, there's only it's... so many there's only so many devil horns you can draw. You can fit into covers of books and use the characters to, you know, make that symbol out. Like you got to flex and I I'm excited to see what Greg's going to do at Marvel with different characters. Yeah.
2: The variety is going to be cool because he's been in with the DC DC stuff for so long now. Like I I associate it I associate his art to New 52. Like, I think of New 52, and he's one of just the creators that pops up. Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: 100%. You know, going back 12 years? Yeah. 13 years?
3: I think of Spawn. Spawn said me never on the show.
0: (laughs) Right. The what?
2: I've never heard of that book.
0: Well, uh, we love Greg Capullo's art. Lots of people love it you won't be able to replicate it though through chat gpt at least because there are new policies in place that will not allow chat gpt and others to replicate and copy steal art styles uh bleeding cool put out an article that uh was the article wasn't written by chat gpt but The article came from rich johnston uh asking chat gpt to make art in the style of x and so here's an example uh quote when when asked to to make an art a, a piece of art in the style of jim lee quote i'm unable to create images in the specific style of jim lee due to content policy restrictions however I can still generate an image of a caped crusader with a general comic book style. If you'd like, I can create an image of a superhero with features inspired by typical comic book art without replicating the style of a specific artist. Please let me know if you'd like me to proceed with this alternative. Okay.
2: All right. It's good.
0: So, uh, when asked to describe the policy, uh, quote, certainly, the part of your request that likely led to a, viola- a violation of the content policy is the reference to Jim Lee, who was a contemporary artist. Our policy restricts creating images in the style of artists, creative professionals, or studios whose latest work was created after 1912. Jim Lee's work falls well within the cutoff date, uh, well after this cutoff date, hence the inability to generate an image based on his style.
3: So almost like a public um, domain type of uh right. Yeah. Yep. Good.
0: And it's consistent when you look through this article. If you're so inclined, you can see images of characters that you know might have been inspired by Wonder Woman or Iron Man. Um, and you know, they're it's just not that character. It looks like it, maybe, but it's not quite that. And I am so, so happy that this is the case.
2: Yeah, you're making... It's interesting because you're making the AI more ethical as opposed to getting rid of the AI as a solution, whereas the solution should be make a more ethical AI. The inherency of it is not uh, bad.
3: Now the AI artists, quote-unquote, um, need to learn actual art terms... <laughs>
2: Well, that's not a bad thing. Better precision, better—I would say—expression at that point.
3: I mean, OpenAI has got a lot of tra- uh, problems in the background, and behind the scenes, right now. <laughs> um, so at least something's happening that you know benefits artists on the user side. Marco, do you sure. are you familiar with the whole scandal that's going on at the Altman? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've been keeping up on it's some a mess
3: of that. over there. Their their CEOs yeah. are like quitting.
2: Um, uh, yeah, yeah, there's just a lot going on. And and Altman's been uh, separate. separate. I, I follow his stuff all, separately because of his... Yeah, I knew you um, would. His, well, his, his effective altruism work, so... I...
0: I'm... Um, I like... I, I don't like any AR art, actually. Let me correct myself. What I tolerate is the stupid memes that people will make of like... <laughs> You know the Kool Aid Man and Spider Man smoking weed in a bathroom together, for example, because you know that reminds me of like two thousands t shirts that people would wear that were way oversized of Bugs Bunny with bling and a blunt. You know, like it's funny
3: that one of uh, Bugs Bunny with the Lola on his lab and he's spanking
0: her. Yeah, yeah. or the or or the one that says um, <laughs> the one that says like uh, if, if you see police Warner Brother. You know, <laughs> with bugs, Bunny. Yeah, I know. That. I like that. Yeah. So all that like shit's gone. AI AI is only good for the lulls, as they used to say. For the lulls, I got no issue with that. But if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a creator, uh, create. You know, get dirty. Use your hands. Use your mind. You know. Um, you want to make memes? That's cool, but that's not art. Um. I think this is this is the way forward. Um, What is concerning, though, is that the Bing version of Doll E three was asked, "Hey, can you make me a a uh, a Caped Crusader, a Batman in the style of Jim Lee?" And it spat out exactly that.
2: Damn, it looks pretty. And that
0: one's even better. That Doll
3: E three seems even better than yeah. uh, Like, there's some of the stuff that Microsoft Bing one can do is insane.
2: Well, you, you have to for the other OpenAI one. You have to pay for it, so it's a better fidelity if you pay for. I, I'm assuming they they use the free versions for these. Why? Uh, just because if you're gonna make an article about it, and I, I don't assume they're paying, you know, a yearly or monthly fee just to access it to make an article about this AI piece.
0: Well, what 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 are you saying by saying that? Like what?
2: Oh. ChatGPT's, uh, let's say, 5 is uh, more effective and probably better, equal, equally as good as probably DALE-E3 or their fourth version if you have access to that stuff. So the, the, the quality and fidelity comes to, like, how much you're paying for access to a specific model.
3: Which they have to do to limit overload on the servers. Yeah. Right, right. yeah.
0: Well, I mean, of course the DAL e uh, image looks good. It's fucking Jim Lee's art. And that too. It's it's like, of course, if ChatGPT was allowed to do this, it would look just as good because it's not about the AI. It's about the human being. It does look good. It's Jim Lee's art. Of course it fucking looks good. Go buy some Jim Lee art. What are you talking about?
2: Just post up this Dolly 3 image. Damn it. I don't like the I don't like the ears. I like longer ears on my Batman.
0: Yeah, and there there are obvious problems that, you know, I'm sure anyone could pick apart um but you know, more uh more steps are being taken to rein in and control uh the AI AI generated images. I hate to even say AI. Dude, art. I didn't even put that sl- that
3: image of Batman on the slide because I thought that was actually the Jim Lee art as an example.
2: Babbin, yeah.
3: Holy shit. Oh, that's gonna... not good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's
0: getting to that point. Yeah, no, that is scary. But that's Especially... why we need the regulation. Yeah, that's why yeah. we need it. We need it for art, but we also need it for, for, for people. We need it to protect um deep faking and things like that. But of course, our politicians are all you know, um eighty something years old and don't know about any of this shit. What is Wi-Fi? <laughs> 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 yeah, like you get someone like uh like a Mark Zuckerberg. I'm sorry, I'm going off in a rant. You get someone like a Mark Zuckerberg on the hot seat in the Senate and you're asking him questions about like, well how do you friend someone on Facebook? Can you fucking get in the world? <laughs> now what is a poke?
3: <laughs> then you have like dead. mitch mcconnell literally just freezing because his brain's breaking like just Oof. Oof. how
0: can you help me bypass the fact that scarlett johansson blocked me on twitter can you help me with that i'm,
3: I'm going to clip that that phrase, that
0: that sound
3: <laughs> so you know <laughs> and i'm going to it's put really that into my own ai that will use your voice so that if sean's never on the show i can slot in an ai version of sean
2: We'll do the, I mean, we can get a
0: a whole bot, video bot to portray him. That's it. Well, that up. I'm in favor of. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to AI me, yeah. you can do that because yeah. we need a host. So if I die or, mm. you know, if I, if whatever, then sure. Yeah. I'll carry me on in it through AI. Please I don't do. like this black mirror episode. Don't like it, dude. Get, listen, get a body, right? Get a body. Sit it right here. Mm-hmm. You just get a body. Yeah. Green
2: mask, green mask.
0: Just yep. get a body. Yeah. Just present me to the people. You I know. love it. I'll just call Bean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my that's, clone.
2: You know, that that's Sean's AI uh duplicate is just Bean. <laughs> uh
0: happy birthday, Atomic Hound, to your to your mother. That's awesome. Mama Hound. Um 89 oh, my, years old. That's wow. a beautiful wow. thing. Kudos. That's a beautiful thing. Um oh. Hendrik Perry says, "What's comics pals without a soapbox to stand on?" You got that shit right.
2: can I, I had a, a, a hypothetical. Or I had a thought experiment about AI and, and art.
3: Do we the, the AI, before you start, Marco. Yeah. When anyone says thought experiment, I immediately groan. I know right? why. It's such a pretentious phrase. I feel.
2: <laughs> All right, Fair enough. I, I, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out is is there. A way that you can uh, make a art valuable for the individual. If I am, if I am a, a quadriplegic, sure, I can learn to draw with my mouth, right? Let's say, let's say I don't have the time or energy or want to do so. But I want to create art. Uh, and if I were to go about it with two in two ways, hire an artist for me to dictate art to, or input it into a uh, uh, chat GPT or Bing's Dali. And I feed it information, but then I feed the artist information. Which one becomes... Is more attributable to
0: my art? Is I think it... neither is art. Whoa. Well, hold on one time. is art. One right. is art because one is drawn by a human being. Sure, but neither is your art. Yeah, neither is your yeah. art. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So then... But then if we take that, then that means I as a potential quadru- uh, quadruple Potential? Never, what, do, what do you have planned? <laughs> well, never, but then, but then I could never create art through this method.
3: I would say that because of that, because of everyone has their own limitations and, you know, f- you know things happening with them, the idea of art can be malleable, but you still need to create it yourself.
0: Can I also add, that you started this by saying that the quadriplegic person just might not have the desire to do it, which is not different than me not having the desire to do it. Um, Art is effort and expression. And if you're not willing to put an effort or express, then it's not art. And on top of that, let's say, Marco, that you and I are working on a comic book, right? And you're the artist and I'm the writer. And Mm -hmm. I write the script and then you draw it. Who drew it?
2: The artist? You? Yeah, who's the artist? I wrote yeah. it, right,
0: <laughs> right? But you drew it. I did not. I made art, but the art that I made is on the writing end of things. Art in a general sense, right? But not drawn images. Yeah. I did not do that part. And I write, have no part in that outside of the script that I wrote, that you then took and made into a lovely comic. A writer can create art,
3: but it doesn't make them an artist. It makes them a writer.
2: writer. Right. right. Right.
3: Okay. And okay. writing is art,
0: but it's not art art. Right. Yeah, yeah. In,
2: in the way, yeah, okay, fair enough. All right. Trying, I, I, was, I was working on it. I was working on it. I, I think the more they, curious they're they're question holding.
3: is like, say Jim Lee has his own. Say that Jim Lee has a certain database of his own that is fed his own art. Can he use that tool to then just make actually put out uh, uh, art going forward? You know, like if Jim Lee has, wow. I think it is
0: still not really that. Because he's the computer is creating though. it on him. That's shady as fuck.
2: But that's good. That's I mean,
3: I think the, the potential is there. I think the technology isn't because you need so much computing power to do this. Um, unless they start privatizing servers that you can then purchase, then we'll see. Um, but but I think that is something we need to be cognizant of possibly
2: happening down the line. But in
0: that scenario, he could draw it. He just didn't want to. guess yeah, he's lazy at that point. <laughs> but see, the, my thing is that I feel like artists, right? And and Jim Lee theoretically could do that, right? But my thing is that artists want to draw. You know, they they're excited to draw. They're passionate about it. Obviously, Jim Lee has a lot of other irons on the fire. Um, but like, yes, okay. Would it be great for DC to have Jim Lee on an ongoing book? And it's actually not Jim Lee, it's AI, so he can focus on what he's got to do while this AI can spit out you know, new issues of Batman. Would it benefit DC to, for that to be possible? Yes. But we all know that at some point, someone's going to look at that and go, wait a second, this ain't right. Something is wrong here. And that's when the dominoes all fall. That's when the House of Cards falls. If we can't tell the difference, then that's the end. My friends, that's the end. Hmm, hmm, I don't know. I mean, it is. If someone gets away with that at the caliber of a Jim Lee, and you literally can't tell the difference, then how can you ever trust that what you were looking at is is a is a real image drawn by the individual oh, in question?
2: Yeah, you wouldn't be able to hundred yeah. percent.
0: That's game over.
2: Yeah. Especially even if it's coming from the artist, then it's like okay, then, well. Hmm.
3: Because then your issue of consent is gone because the consent
0: is given. Right. The issue of consent is gone, but I I didn't consent to viewing that. I I want art that was created and crafted by the creators. The same way I don't want to read a comic book that's AI uh, with an AI generated script. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to go to a movie and watch a movie where the script was, was written by AI. I, I just don't. I just don't I know and it's it's harder with art, but on the writing side of things, I know because it's not gonna have heart. It's just it just can't. How could it? It's not gonna have the human element that makes a script.
2: That's crazy to me though, because a human is interact is having a process in the experience, regardless of the the tool that is outputting.
3: We have a fundamental disagreement on what creation is, then, because like when I yeah, yeah, when I use a K cup yeah. to make a coffee, I'm not brewing. You know, <laughs> I'm not brewing that coffee. I'm making a coffee. A, co- a coffee is coming out, but uh, the machine is doing it all.
2: You making coffee?
3: Sure, you and I drink it, product. and it's
0: shittier than most coffee because it's going
3: through <laughs> that process.
0: But the th- the thing with that though is that that's like a that's a that's a function. That's just irrelevant. Like anyone on earth can say I'm thirsty and go put a coffee on. Right. You just do it. You're not looking for any adulation or anything like that. A big part of the problem is that so many of these people want to have their cake and eat it, too. They want to be celebrated or be able to make art. But they don't actually want to put in any effort to make art. They don't want to learn. They don't want to go to school. They don't want to put the effort in. So why do you deserve anything if you're not willing to put in effort to get it?
2: I don't even know if it's a thing of dessert. But if you're just creating for the sake of creating, then then I, then I there is no point at which you can create in that sense, within that purview.
0: Well, people you people. – I'm not saying you, I guess, but people think that a- AI-generated images should be viewed on the same scale as art that's crafted, right? So if you think that, then that means that you think you deserve to be on that same pedestal, and I say no.
3: I'm waiting for the the, the next performance artist to generate AI art and pass it off as actual art gets into a gallery, but the actual art is the performance of doing that and getting away with it.
2: All right. Oh, that's a good idea.
3: All right, go become a performance artist then, Marco. See you at no, the moment.
2: I'm going to start with my collaging.
0: Oh, yeah, you have started, actually.
2: <laughs> I have
0: started. C.W. Gordon, creating versus producing, generating. I love that. A producer on a film, you know, might have notes, right? They might have even come up with the idea. Are they the writer? No. Will they receive a writer credit? No. No matter what they do, unless they put pen to paper, or the equivalent. They they didn't write. And that's how that works. They produced, they were part of a team. They didn't write. Mm-hmm. Amin Perez says and what about scripting? I create a plot and the AI fills the details and the dialogue. Can AI be a tool for writers? So I think that and I say this as a person who writes. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to I just I write. I would feel personally. Like there's no way that I could express what I have to say if that's being filtered through anything else, but certainly not filtered through AI because AI can't know me. I can't talk to AI about my life experience and the totality of everything that has led to what it is that I have to say in this moment, and AI is going to understand how to deliver that in a way that makes you Feel what I'm saying, having never met me or interacted with me in a way that allows you to understand me. That's something that can only happen human to human. That's the magic that Grant Morrison talks about. Only humans can do that.
3: Yeah, that's not – it's science fiction to think that we can digitize our brain patterns and brain activity and all our memories and stuff. So unless that's doable, uh, yeah, it's still being filtered through something, and you're losing –
0: a magical part of it in the process of doing that. I see Marco's disagreeing eyes. That's what I see.
2: <laughs>
0: Go ahead. Last point, and then we'll move on to the draft. No,
2: last point is I, I, I think you guys are making strong points, um, and I still feel like there's something uh, squishy in that where creating, producing, generating are variations of each other. Um, I don't. I just don't have the. Um, I don't know the the right language or rationale yet. Like I, that, that's still the the thing that I'm, I, I'm stuck on it. Um, but I don't disagree with what you guys are saying.
3: Marco, you're you're so before the show started, uh, Marco told us he's starting to do collaging, um, using uh, the onslaught books he had to read. <laughs> uh, so Marco is de- defacing comic books. Um, but think about do, the creation of that, Marco. You are cutting out individual things and each Slight angle that you cut things at is deliberate, whether you realize it or not. Creating that compared to saying, All right, throw in a a couple prompts in in a computer that says, Create me a collage using these pages from Onslaught. The actual human element's gone. That your hand going in and physically cutting out things. And I think you lose something there in the process.
2: but, but see, I'm, I'm, I'm living, it, like, my body and mind are separate. This body is still that tool. It's just in, in this mm-hmm. example, the AI is still said tool, my mind is the human experience that is interacting with any other tool. And, and that's, that's where I get hung up on is, it is, I, it I is it. a tool yeah. to provide output. And my input is the art, irrespective of the output.
3: I see your, you. what you immediately said was my body and mind are separate, and I think that's the that's where we made that's the core I think of where your argument comes from.
2: I, your yes, body
3: is I, a tool that your mind uses. Right. So whatever tools your body are using, whether it's like a computer keyboard or scissors. Extension.
0: Mm, Man, that's a, that's I would a philosophical, love. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to to uh, to talk to go the philosophical route and discuss Mind-body your thoughts duality. on free will because oh, I have
2: tough thoughts on free will bro
0: if you believe that then you must really believe in free will because mm-hmm. if you if you don't believe in free will then how the hell can you say that your body's a tool when you don't control your own actions forget it let's get out of this let's get out because this is endless <laughs> um uh Catherine says i think using it to spark ideas for a script is interesting to throw some ideas out and bounce around not write my entire story for me Uh, yes, absolutely. If you, I mean, there's nothing wrong with using, um, AI to bounce ideas off of, but I think that, you know, when you take that and then you make it your own, right? Like that's like, if I used AI, for example, to think of topics for the show, right? For this, for this podcast, let's say that I did that. Okay. So the ideas weren't mine. The ideas came from the AI, but what we do here is what makes that magic. If you want to call it that, just for the sake of this conversation, right? Um, Our way of talking about what it is that is being presented. You know, I don't write the articles that we read from. Those are not ours. Mm. But we make it ours. We repurpose it through these conversations or the unique angles that we might take. But if all of us were replaced by AI and the idea came from AI, would you still like the show? You know? Like would the AI know to bust on Marco at certain times? because It's <laughs> gonna be funny, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, it wouldn't. Would it be able to bring Tyler's brand of humor? No, not uh, in that yeah. way. That feels maybe like we should
1: that.
3: replace me with AI. <laughs> I mean,
0: they, no, they because <laughs> they've been using
2: AI on me for the past three years. So
3: yeah, when you said when you said AI bust on Marco, I, he got excited there for a
0: second. <laughs> <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> ah. <laughs> thank you dan thank you i'm 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 trying i don't think it's i i don't think i don't think uh, the guys are wrong i think I, I i haven't found the the right question for it
0: all right well let's dive into the non ai generated draft idea which this week is a non-superpowered hero draft Not all heroes wear capes. Not all heroes have powers. And those are the heroes that we are celebrating today. Those heroes who have to kick, punch, and jump their way through trouble. And they do it without any help from a super soldier serum or being an alien or anything like that. Right away, I'm establishing a caveat. Okay. Each one of us, we're going to do five because I think we do five. Each one of us is only allowed one member of the bat family. Okay. Okay. Good. Just so, so that this doesn't become a bat fest. One each.
2: Yeah. I was literally going to be my question. Just like, we
0: wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys know the drill, uh we will I will roll my handy dandy dice uh that did me no favors last night at card game night. Um damn. Yeah, I know, right? Hopefully I'll have better luck here. And uh we will we will go over the draft. Who wins is determined by you guys. I will now roll <clears throat> first for Marco.
2: Give it to me, baby.
0: That's a six.
2: Ooh.
0: Good. Now for Tyler, that is an eight. Ooh. And for me, that is a three. Yikes. So the order will be. Tyler, Marco, myself, my dice, still hate me. I'm trying to figure out what I did wrong, but whatever.
3: As my cats are fighting, one second. Uh, uh, Just give me Batman. I'm going to go break up this fight real quick.
2: There you go. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Batman it is. Uh,
2: Give me Jimmy
0: Olsen. Okay. All right. I like it. Uh, Give me Nightwing. Oh, Nightwing's good. Nightwing, uh, and this is a weird one. I and I actually don't know the answer. So right now, Shang Chi in the comics has the Ten Rings, but before all that, wasn't he just a, a a martial arts guy? Did he does he have powers? He doesn't have powers. I don't, I don't even think think with the Ten Rings he has powers. It's just
2: it's an no. object. But don't the Ten Rings empower him?
0: Right, yeah, Th- that doesn't like Tony Stark would not be an answer to this. Oh because damn it! T- Tony Stark one. is
2: Iron Man. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Okay. So I would say Shang Chi, but without the Ten Rings, just Shang Chi, the way he was before, with no powers. I think but it's then you fine. Make that
2: argument, yeah. but then you can make that argument about Iron Man before he put on the suit,
0: which but is then he wasn't he was a hero student, before he put yeah. on the suit. Shang oh. Chi's ch- Shang- oh. the Ten Rings is new, is from the movies. I'm talking about,
3: you know, oh, okay. Deadly okay. Hands gotcha. of Kung Fu. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I see. Okay, and his
3: power was just that his his father
0: was Fu Manchu. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, so Marco, you're up.
2: Uh, Wildcat.
0: Ooh. There we go. That's a good one. By the way, should we do villains? Do you guys I think, think we, can we throw need... villains in here? That's all right. Fine. Let's yeah, yeah that's yeah, cool.
2: Sure, why them. not? Yeah. Can't
0: think of anybody.
3: Uh. All right, Lex Luthor. <laughs>
2: mm, that's good.
3: All
0: right. Okay, and and super time. intelligence is a power, right? So then I guess Tony would have to count. If we're going to count Lex, then Tony would have to yeah, count. Yeah, because Lex has a suit, too.
3: Because mm, I think yeah. Tony counts. He's just a really smart guy.
0: But he's not just a really smart guy. Like Tony Stark in a fight by as the man is worth nothing without Iron Man. He could be the guy in the chair, I guess. Yeah. But he's a super genius. Yeah, but what's he doing against Thanos without the Iron Man
3: What is super genius? Is it a genetic mutation? Is it, you know, cosmic rays? Like, I would say Reed Richards pre-cosmic rays would have counted because he wouldn't have stretchy powers. But he's just really smart.
0: But he didn't – right. And also he didn't exist before he had powers in the sense that he wasn't a comic book character. Neither was Tony Stark. Lex, I guess, is different because Lex has – he doesn't have powers and he's existed without the suit, you know. Yeah. So I, oh, I'll, I'll say Lex is valid. Okay. And then you have another one. Oh, I have another one. Okay. Um,
3: give me – I'll take Lois Lane, actually. Oh,
2: that's good. Yeah, no right. argument on that one. Uh, I'm going to do Abby Arcane.
3: She she's a avatar of like death now, isn't she?
2: <laughs> but but she but she's been a, a, a helping helper. So like pre
0: new fifty two Abbey Arcane. Yeah, Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Her
0: dad was one of the powers. Right. I'm gonna draft. Kingpin. Ooh, mm. that's a good one. That's good. And. Oh. I yeah, got my Bat character. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with... Moon Girl. Yeah. Thir- third or fourth smartest in the MCU? Yep. Does she come with her devil dino? That's what I'm talking about. I need that devil dino. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> have superpowers. He's just a dinosaur. That's... Fucking true. You got a point there. And I don't think they,
3: uh, like, the original Moonboy and Devil Dinosaur had, like, a magical mind connection. Uh, I don't think uh, Lunella and Devil Dinosaur do. I think she just has tech for it. Um, Okay. Uh,
2: J. Jonah Jameson. All right. Yes. Triple J. Man,
3: Dan just outed me. Give me Kate Bishop, Hawkeye. Nice. There you go. And then I get one more, right? Yeah, you're last up. Uh bu- 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 Nick Fury.
2: Oh. oh, that's good. Uh my bat pick is Damian Wayne.
3: Nice. You picked the
0: worst one. The best one. <laughs> um I'm going to draft Devil Dinosaur. <laughs> Why is he red though? Cause he's cool as hell. That's why.
3: What, what, watch me look it up, and he's like, he's an inhuman, inhuman dinosaur. <laughs>
0: <laughs> better not be. I got a backup pick, but better not be. Uh, Marco, you've got. Oh no, you're done. No, I'm done. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's we're it. done. Yeah, yeah, wow. We're okay. Uh, so Tyler will tell me if I need my backup pick. You do. Devil I dinosaur do. has superhuman strength. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry. So, that's okay. Tyler, let me ask you a question now. Which Nick Fury did you draft? Oh, I'm picking original Nick Fury. You can get his son. <laughs> All right. So, you went with white Nick. I'm going with black Nick. <laughs> and I'm and and in my note, I'm typing Nick Fury black. And for <laughs> you it's Nick Fury white. So, we're getting into Pokémon territory. <laughs> Uh they, so they, Lunella's this, good too. Was, I just
3: double checked. She has genius level intellect. I think that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it.
0: Right. And that's the you know, that's uh I think in real life that's a superpower, but in the comics, it's not. Uh, so Tyler got Batman, Lex Luthor, Lois Lane, Kate Bishop, and Nick Fury White. Uh Marco got Jimmy Olsen, Wildcat, Abby Arcane, Triple J, J. Jonah Jameson, and Damian Wayne. And I drafted Nightwing, Shang Chi, Kingpin, Moon Girl, and Nick Fury Black. I don't know why Kingpin's there, but he's got a lot of money, so hopefully he can help. Big, big suits, big suits. People, big are,
3: people are questioning the fact that Devil Dinosaur is considered superhuman strength. Um, what I was reading <laughs> was that like he's like impenetrable too. like he's got he's beefier than most dinosaurs. He's super dino strength, I guess, is the way it should have been. <laughs>
2: Uh, in the chat, I mean, I mean, Paris also. A bear has superhuman strength. <laughs> <laughs> that's, really, yeah. like that's,
0: that's fair. I and mean, I guess, I, I guess if, I guess like there's gorillas, right? And then there's Gorilla Grodd. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'll accept it. Although I did want a big ass Dino on my team.
2: But, oh, this is good. C.W. Gordon, Jim Gordon, <laughs> James Gordon, James Gordon Jr., Ooh, I don't want him. Adam Strange, specifically the war criminal version. <laughs> Black oh, cat and booster work. gold.
3: <laughs> yeah. Whoa, black cat! She, she powers got luck. She does have powers. Yeah, she has luck powers. Yeah. Oh. Um, newsroom. Right. Thank you for the sub on YouTube. Appreciate it.
0: Oh, thank you so much. You. Appreciate you. Who won the draft? Go ahead and vote. If you're watching on YouTube live, you can vote to determine who won. What determines a win is completely um individual in the sense that there are no rules for you to think about. So wh- whoever's team. You like the most is the winner in your heart, and that's who you vote for. Uh, Girl said Kite Man. Yeah, hell yeah. Mm. I'm sure if Kale were here, um, Kite Man would have gotten drafted.
2: Ooh, Kale Speaks would have been some, like, JSA people.
3: He would have said Snapper Car immediately.
0: Who the hell is that?
3: Exactly. (laughs) 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 He was like the Justice League's Jimmy Olsen. Aw. Early Rick Jones might have worked too before he became a bomb. Yeah. Right. Yep. Bucky. Oh, Bucky. <laughs> yeah. He's got a fake arm. Doesn't he have some kind of serum in him that the Soviets put in him?
2: No, that's right. he said Bucky, not oh, Winter, Soldier. Winter Soldier. Okay. Well,
0: yeah, I guess. I guess yeah, I guess Winter Soldier would be enhanced, but Bucky, Bucky
2: Barnes, Bucky, yeah. Bucky, Bucky would count.
0: Um. So. <laughs> Amanda Waller. <laughs> Amanda Waller, yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation that we had with Bryce and I encourage anyone who loves comics on a deep level that goes a little bit beyond, you know, just typical Marvel and DC stuff to really think about some of the stuff that we discussed in that interview. Um, and to check out Kickstarter. You know, if you've never backed a book on Kickstarter before, Maybe now would be a good time to do that. And I know um, it can be scary and it can be daunting on the, on the end of the purchaser, the backer, mm-hmm. on the backer end. But I'll say this. Most of the time, creators, a ma- large majority of the time, creators are not out to screw you over. They want you to get their books. You know, They want their creations out into the world. So, you know, if you find a creator who's has who who has a few successful Kickstarters under their belt and you like what they're putting out there, chances are if you back it and it fulfills, you will get what you what you paid for. So um, it's definitely worthwhile to check out Kickstarter and, uh, you know, consider consider backing some projects while you're in the spirit of considering and backing. How about you back your boys? Uh, We're on patreon.com slash thecomicspals. They don't have a Kickstarter section for what we do over here. Uh, But that's okay because you guys show your love and support to us every single week. And we appreciate it very much. So thank you to our patrons. Thank you as well to our channel members who have been fantastic in supporting us. Um, It's still a new initiative, but we've got a lot of videos behind the paywall and more to come. Um, Some of those will be uh, shuffling out. So um, you will get a taste of what we've been putting, uh, you know, on the channel membership side of things. And you will be able to see that, you know, we've got a lot of stuff cooking right now. A lot of stuff. So thank you for, for checking that stuff out. Uh, watch this show live every single Saturday at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern. Uh, and Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern for Palace Polls. Vote in the listener pick poll, uh, which is up right now up right now it's been hotly contested that's right baby uh as of what i see right this moment luke cage gang war and the flash number three are tied and that's a fucking shame yes luke cage should definitely be winning but
2: thank you to everybody who uh wanted to put their support out for the flash the right book to listen to and want to read this week uh because you know damn well sean didn't put it on the list because he wanted to not read it and I want to. I'm making my campaign. Don't credit
3: hard. don't credit your campaign. We got a retweet from Mike Diodato. That's the reason why we're gonna
2: <laughs> I'd like to credit Thank my you. efforts,
0: uh un- undutably, solely. You know, Marco, I was gonna let that that slide. I was, but on pal's polls this week, we're gonna be reading Titan's Beast World. Do you fucking think that I want to read Titans Beast World? <laughs> Do you think that I wanted to sit through six issues of Avengers? No. No, I didn't. Do you think I even wanted to read two issues of The Flash? Mm. No, I didn't. Mm. I didn't. And what a shame that this week's going to be Beast Wars and Flash for you, huh? That would suck. But at least I get to read Kyle which is way better than The Flash, and you should be reading. Um What... Is the result of the poll? Hit us with Let's that. Go. Let's go. Hitting end poll. Oh, Ooh, tie. a tie! Wow, a tie. So uh, Tyler and I tied at forty-two percent of the vote, and Marco coming in with a slim fourteen <laughs> percent of the vote, and Kale with zero. <laughs> Even <laughs> and Kale, the perennial loser. <laughs> <laughs> with zero percent of the vote uh thank you for voting appreciate it let's hit some plugs before we get out of here marco
2: thank you so much for listening to another episode of the comics pals you can follow me at mr marco animoto that's i'm not gonna do that um and come talk to me about uh you know swamp thing stuff uh anime one piece thank you very much
3: you can find me slaving away at my uh, stove and oven today as I bake um, or on, on X Instagram threads at the Tyler Olson.
0: You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean soapbox. I'll be watching survivor series tonight. So that should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. Until next time. Take care guys. See you next week. I've never done them before. I think that before. Like that's a weird. All right. <laughs>